0: Welcome to the Old Dog New Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff West, and I'm going to spend some time talking about tech and looking at how the old dog weighs really on all that old. I'm going to look at some integration ideas, discuss some successes and failures, and show you that it's really not about being perfect but it's about being patient when it comes to integrating technology. I'm a high school educator, been teaching music band for most of my career, but I am a a big tech enthusiast, and I really enjoy uh, researching and finding answers and ways to integrate tech that don't take up so much time. Let's get going. Welcome to Episode 12 of Old Dog, New Tech Podcast. I'm Jeff West. I'm coming to you at the end of September. Hard to believe one month in the books already for us teachers, or maybe two months if you're listening someplace where you started before Labor Day, but here in Michigan, many of us don't start till after Labor Day. Uh, This podcast is on a subject that I think has some uh, disagreement in it. Just as I did some research on it, learning styles. When I saw the word myth keep coming up. I thought, really, a myth about learning styles? Of course, there's different learning styles. But um, this podcast, I'm going to take a look at why some are calling it a myth. They're saying that it doesn't exist. And the school that I'm in is they do exist. I mean, we all learn in different ways, and determining learning styles is. Something uh, that some use to make specific decisions, or maybe they even sink cash into programs that focus on developing content and uh, even classrooms for for learning styles. However, others feel that they're a myth. They aren't really there. So where are you at with this? I'm going to tell you where I'm at. Let's get going. Learning for me was um, a difficult process, depending, of course, on the content and so forth. But I, as I look back over my educational career, I um, I note that the process of learning was a challenge um, for a multitude of reasons. Uh, reading was the primary method of content delivery when I was in school. Uh, you know, read the book, there you go, and then tell me what you learned. And here's the test. There were discussions. It wasn't all that way, of course. And all due respect to my teachers, they did what they, they could, what they were trained with, you know, to, to make it interesting. And, and, and it worked for some, and others, it didn't. For me, it was um, probably a 50 50 split. You know, some of it worked, some not. But, and I know reading is still a, a primary content delivery method but I think tech has made reading and learning more engaging and easier to differentiate. Um, My challenges were not just a learning style weakness, but also things like being a kid that I just didn't see the value in some of what I was learning. And that's probably like most kids. And I did excel in creative subjects, you know, being a musician, Um, the group aspect and working with people and, uh having some freedom to make choices i did enjoy those activities those subjects more than other subjects that didn't always uh lend to that type of teaching but i um but in retrospect um i think the things that had a direct effect on the subjects that i did well in were were because I understood how to learn them and I think had I understood my learning styles or at least considered them my learning tendencies my strengths and weaknesses then you can start to develop um, either you use your strengths and then you can also use your strengths then to help Bring your weaknesses along. I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. And I really never thought about that. And I was really not asked too too much to to consider that possibility. Most of the teachers that were engaging and showed a general concern for me as a student, uh, those were the subjects I did well in. And I also remember the content the best. I didn't always get the best grade in that class. Um, in fact, I'm thinking now, that's why I'm pausing. I'm thinking back through some of my Spanish classes in high school and some of the music history classes in college. While I enjoyed both of them, sometimes that content was very challenging for me, and I didn't always score well on tests, but I still remember um, you know, enough Spanish to kind of understand and communicate if I need to. I don't use it very regularly, and of course, music history um, through time, I have developed a better understanding of the content. But in co- in college, it wasn't wasn't always depending on the the, the content wasn't always my best uh, grade. It was my best effort, but my grade didn't often reflect that. So, and I think that has a, a lot to do with the fact that I learn uh, differently than then a lot of college asked me to to learn at or use um, a lot of it was here go find the answers and even when I found the answers you know tying them together and remembering them it really wasn't always learned I could tell you where the answers were at but not necessarily tell you the answer um, that was of course in my youth as I've gotten older and you use it more then of course it it you learn it it becomes a who you are. Um, so I did well in the creative areas, but I also did okay in the lecture and, and learn method, which is still utilized today. Uh, but, you know, that was a different time. Uh, students were expected to adapt to a teacher style and figure out how to learn. And today in the classrooms, um, while there are, there are similarities to that, the learning styles are considered and adapted to much more. Uh, it's great if teachers understand these and adapt, and I think most do. But like any framework or teaching method or philosophy, learning styles are not an answer to every situation. There's not just one answer to everything. And I, uh, I think that's a weakness in education. I think we try to take a framework or two and say, okay, here it is, and this is what we're going to do, and, and um, that's how you're going to be evaluated, and boom. And I think that's a flaw. Um, I don't think everybody does that. I certainly am not trying to paint with one broad stroke here, but the things that you read and the attitudes toward education seem to be a broad, sweeping uh, attitude, and uh, and I think sometimes in education we take that same approach. And I think we need to reflect a little bit more and adapt. So understanding learning styles can enhance learning, but using them exclusively can be problematic. So is this the myth part? Is this the myth? So I think that the answer is possibly they could possibly be a myth. So after I uh, did a little more research to find out about this myth, is it a myth? I wanted to find out about learning styles a little bit more and their validity. And I found there is a clear difference of opinion as to the use of the method in the classroom. So some of the issues I found consistently throughout uh, the articles and websites uh, that I read on the myth of learning styles. uh, And the following here is taken from uh, an article by Newton and Maya. Uh, I linked it in the show notes. They did uh, a study and a survey of teachers, and found that there were some uh, some of the negatives about using learning styles, where that um, they are conceptually flawed, and they pigeonhole learners, they undermine the credibility of education, um, waste resources create unrealistic expectations and are driven by profit, not help. Which I think that last one, we can say just about anything that we see in education. It, it uh, often seems that some of the decisions that are made are for profit. Um, but the, the flip side to that is that there are so many options that are so similar that when you choose one, um, as long as you are training your teachers and you're focusing on it, it's not a it's not a detriment, but I think sometimes we take it one step further. The takeaway from this research for me, and there was uh, several pages, is just one, this little synopsis of things that they found. <clears throat> Excuse me. Was that learning styles have specific challenges when applied specifically or exclusively. exclusively. They do have value. So when I took a look at some of the research that uh, Newton and Maya had done and their resources, I read through and I found that not all of the the resources, oh, I'm sorry, I need to step back here a second. Not all the resources, uh, and I caution you, um, this isn't uh, a complete comprehensive. This is just my take, and as I studied learning styles, doing a master, <clears throat> excuse me, doing a master's degree. And then uh, recently, you know, read up on some more uh, research. Um, most research you'll find starts to have a central uh, one or two or three central points. And so that's kind of how, why I'm choosing the one article I did. Uh, and uh, you'll find that with other, with other articles, they may present things a little differently, but the overall gist is going to be somewhat of what I am presenting here, kind of like what I'm saying here. So, um, one of the articles, uh, one of the resources uh, is by Black, again linked in the show notes, um, states that the concept of learning styles, rather than, rather than rigid pigeonholes or stereotypes, can be seen as a flexible heuristic device for stimulating creativity and problem solving and learning and teaching teachers and students who look together at the various cognitive style dimensions, often find them an invaluable tool for reflection, a way to talk about which activities and approaches work best, which ones cause frustration and disengagement and which ones help kids get past roadblocks and learning. That last part, I think is pretty much a number one, for what teachers do we're helping the kids and we're trying to get them to see things where this is not about okay you learn visually so i'm going to create this lesson segment with a bunch of visual aids you're leaving out uh all those that visual might be a challenge to I think it's very difficult to prepare a lesson to meet all of the different learning styles. But I think if your students understand what their learning styles are, they can seek that content, that help, and perhaps you can facilitate them and point them in the right direction. Most of the things when we present our content will meet those needs, those learning styles. Maybe not every single aspect of that style, But there will be an element. And I think this is where the line is at. When you cross over that line and start to really exclude, get exclusive and specify, I think that's where it becomes a myth that learning styles don't really exist because there's no research that says it positively uh, affects learning. That there's, that when you, Use learning styles to create your content. There's there's no or very little research. It's inconclusive to say that this is what we should do and only this. I think that was a point I read a lot in the research is, is that so many are using this by itself, which seems, seems a little limiting, seems a little short-sighted. but perhaps we thought when we used it exclusively that it wasn't going to be short-sighted. I I don't know. I just, my opinion is when I look at these things and how you're trying to look at the human brain and the learning process that I don't think you can put it in one little comfortable category. Used as a reflection tool. Yes, you should use learning styles to create specific lesson segments or groups of students. No, this is too simplistic of an appro- approach. Not to mention that most research, as I mentioned before, would support that learning styles are a myth. There's no way to say that learning styles have a positive or negative effect on student achievement because you have to factor in the cultural, social, and economic characteristics that play a role in the individual. Also in Black, a quote, there's the following quote, the extraordinary difficulty in creating a workable theoretical models of complex systems like the human brain has been called Bonini's paradox. Charles Bonini, uh, I believe 1971 is a, in Stanford expressed, uh, uh this this following, uh, and this was, excuse me, expressed by uh, Paul Valeri from 1937. So Benini, in 71 expressing Paul Valeri 1937. Everything simple is false, and everything which is complex is unusable. When you're talking about trying to categorize the human brain, it is such a complex model. I think it's way too complex, and I think sometimes we spend a lot of time doing something that maybe is not going to get us the benefit that we think it's going to, and perhaps it, in this case, in learning styles, instead of trying to nail it down, we should simply use it for reflection or general overall vision. So how do you, or how do we proceed? reflections the best use. I think we can agree on that. Here's a article, segment from an article in 2006 by uh, Richard Felder, which um, I also found as a result of the, um, I forgot their names, Maya Newton. Yes, Newton and Maya article. Richard Felder, I believe, is out of North Carolina State University. And he said, suggested, In brief, the recommended way to incorporate learning styles into teaching is this. Number one, choose a learning styles model. The ideal choice is a model that has been used successfully to characterize student populations of the type for which instruction is to be designed. In other words, does it fit your kids? Design instruction, number two, design instruction that alternately addresses the preferences of students at each pole of each model dimension. And he uh, mentions Kolb's 15 terminology, uh, teach around the cycle. I'm going to have to look that up. If the entire goal, continuing on, if the entire goal is to teach in a way that addresses the needs of most students in a class, steps one and two are sufficient. It's not necessary to even assess individual student learning styles, let alone tailor the instruction to them. Only if the goal includes increasing students' metacognitive awareness or understanding how they learn and how others may learn differently, should there be the third step, assess the learning style preferences of the students in the class and discuss the meaning of the results. Now, that's his suggestion. I think it's a pretty, pretty good suggestion. I think that's the way learning styles should be used. And most of the, um, all of the articles that I have listed in the show notes um, all start out with, "Is this a myth? Is it, no, you know, not true? Do they not exist?" And I believe most, all of them come back saying, "No, they exist." I think it's how we use them that creates the myth that makes them mythical. I think we surpass their their capability their intended use if we start to get too specific with content delivery and determining intelligence of students suggesting perhaps and i hope no one does this i don't know of anyone that has but i see the possibility to say okay this person won't be an artist because they don't learn visually Speaking from my own learning, I have changed immensely in my years as I've gotten older and your values change and your experiences change, uh, your brain develops, Um, you use knowledge over and over more, maybe you learn something successfully and so now I apply the same way that I learned something successfully to a new subject, a new area, I'm learning how to learn. And I think that learning how to learn starts with understanding your styles, wherever you're at right now. I did an earlier podcast about where are you at with tech? And I think this is another question of where are you at with learning? Where are your students at? Where are you at? I linked a uh, learning style assessment in my show notes. And uh, there are many out there. But um, these are excellent. I I encourage you to do all three steps um, that were suggested up there with uh, Black, or Felder, excuse me, Felder, and, and have that discussion, have that reflective discussion with your students um, to get them to look inward because they're so busy looking outward with all of the different environmental distractions that there are that sometimes they don't take a minute to take a look at who they are, where they're at, and encourage them to do that periodically. So no, there's no myth here. The myth starts to arise if you misuse it or maybe use it for something it was not intended to be used for. Here's your tech treat for the week. It's the learning style assessment I mentioned at the close. Uh, Uh, This is a a howtostudy.com learning style assessment. You can use this or you can find your own. There's a lot out there. Allow time for discussion and reflection. I found that the most useful when I did this with my students. And I need to do it again uh, with all. I think I just did it with one class, just kind of testing it out to see what would happen. Um, And the discussion that ensued after they did this was... um, still in my head, it was over a year ago, and uh, watching the young people assess who they are and grow, um, I don't think I can put words on that uh, other than to say, cool, awesome, inspiring, motivated me as a teacher. You can guide students through through determining the validity of the findings and how that can help or how it could hinder them. Those are possible discussion topics. So take a minute, take, take that assessment just for yourself. What do you think? I think it's clear that learning styles are not a myth. The myth is created when you use them exclusively to determine how content's delivered or whether students can or cannot learn in specific ways. I found my own learning has fluctuated through my life and probably the way I learned at age 12 or 18 is different vastly from the way I learn now. So use learning style assessments to get kids thinking about how they learn. I contend they do not consider this until they are asked to do so. Realizing strengths and weaknesses via learning style assessments can be a valuable reflection tool and should not be used to group students or specify content delivery. Reflection is the key concept in my opinion. What do you think? Let me know. Leave me a, a Review an iTunes review or send me an email and uh let's let's have a discussion I think this is a a valuable discussion to have and I think it's a valuable tool that can have a ripple effect throughout the rest of your year you take care now. This has been the Old Dog New Tech Podcast with your host, Jeff West. I hope you enjoyed your time. And remember, with EdTech integration, it's about being patient and not perfect.